may be seated. And I'd invite you to turn with me in a time of confession uh, to the words that I believe will be on your screen. Yes, they are. Uh, We're going to be looking at Lord's Day 1 of the Heidelberg Catechism this evening as we begin to look at the Catechism over the course of this next year. And uh, I'd like to have us read then from question answers 1 and 2, which make up the Lord's Day, and read those responsively. So the first question asks, what is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. What must you know to live and die in the joy of this comfort? Three things. First, how great my sin and misery are. Second, how I am set free from all my sins and misery. Third, how I am to thank God for such deliverance. And then I'd invite you to turn with me to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. As we begin looking at the Lord's, or at the Heidelberg Catechism, and by the way, the picture on the screen is a picture of Heidelberg, Germany, if you ever wondered what that looked like where the catechism was written. But John chapter 10 is, um, interestingly, you you may know when when you look at the Heidelberg Catechism, it always has all these footnotes. Every every phrase, every sentence has a footnote to it, a biblical reference. It's uh, because the catechism was based totally on Scripture. And so it's a reminder that we can turn back to those those Scriptures and see where these uh, various truths uh, come from, but it's the, the catechism kind of tie, ties all that scripture together and, and uh, looks at it in a very systematic way. And uh, so oftentimes when I'm preaching on the catechism, because I don't like to preach on the catechism, but on the, a scripture passage that relates to it, oftentimes I'll pick one of, those, one of those texts that's referenced. I was kind of surprised to find that as I was looking at it this week, that this particular passage isn't connected as a part of the footnote of um, particularly question and answer number one, but it fits it so well. And so we're going to use this, this uh, story or this truth that Jesus uh, teaches to the people of his day and to us as it is uh, a picture of what, what particularly it means to belong, the, the comfort of belonging. So if you just keep your Bibles open, I'm going to read that in just a a few moments, but we'll open our uh, time with prayer, and then we'll make a few comments before we get into that. Let's pray. Father God, our, our shepherd, we thank you for being our shepherd. We thank you that we could have all of the truths that we have sung about, that we have prayed about, that are true of, of you in our lives. And now as we turn to this 
particularly this question and answer of the catechism, and as we turn to the, the whole idea of, of where we find our comfort, we pray that you would open our eyes to the way that we belong to uh, Jesus, our good shepherd, and what that means for our lives, both now and into eternity. We pray it in his name. Amen. From years ago, I still remember a set of TV ads for Amer the American Express card. And while they never succeeded in getting me to pick up one of their credit cards, much of their advertising could be quite powerful, including this particular ad campaign. Among this particular set of ads were uh, this picture of a couple of older brothers having lunch at a fast, fancy restaurant with their little sister in the big city, obviously concerned for her welfare until she hauls out her American Express card to pay for their meals, at which they looked at each other like, well, I guess we don't have to worry about her anymore. Or a frantic tourist in Europe, having lost his wallet and all his money in a foreign land, connects on the phone with American Express and is taken care of the next day. Or a father seeing off his daughter as she starts college, waiting for the appropriate moment to gift her with the best security he can think of. That's right, an American Express card. And the punchline for each of these ads was, membership has its privileges. Membership has its privileges. And hundreds of thousands of people sign up for that club or other types of clubs like them yearly. Things like motor clubs for, for tow services or geek squad, computer protection or the like. Why? Because we want security. We want someone looking out for our welfare. We want to belong to something bigger and better than ourselves. And this need, this idea, isn't new. In the Bible, it was often conveyed by the, the archaic, at least for us, image of a shepherd and his flock. And Israel was often equated with the flock of sheep over which, as we read earlier, the Lord is my shepherd. Well, Jesus picks up on this idea in a conversation that he has with first some Pharisees and then a little later on uh, some Judeans. John chapter 10. Let's read the first 30 verses. Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they'll never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, so when he sees a wolf coming, 
He abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. The Jews who heard this, these words were again divided. Many of them said, he's demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. You know this is Hanukkah. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were there gathered around him saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Conclude our reading at that point. We will be looking at a few of these passages as we go. But here Jesus uses that image of shepherd and sheep to describe a relationship with him. And we find indeed that membership has its privileges. And the first privilege of membership we read about is provision and protection. Now sheep, through no, no fault of their own, having been continually bred by humans, are entirely dependent on the shepherd. On their own, they cannot fend off wild animals. They have to be led to food and water, directed down the right paths lest they fall off a cliff. Sheep not belonging to a flock are doomed. Well, Jesus uses two images from shepherding to describe what he does for his sheep. First, he says, I am the gate for the sheep. Most sheep pens in Israel were simply rock-walled enclosures with a simple opening in the wall for a door. There was no actual door that could be opened or closed. And so the shepherd slept in the opening at night to protect the sheep so that animals or thieves could not get into the sheepfold and the sheep couldn't get out and wander off into danger themselves. The shepherd serving as a gate then provided protection, security. But in the morning, the opening also became the avenue through which the sheep were led to pasture and water. So as a gatekeeper, he also served as the way to bringing them nourishment. But well, Jesus is the gate through which we enter God's flock. As Jesus will say a few chapters later, I am the way to the Father. Within the gate, within his sheepfold, we are protected from Satan's grasp. We're protected from false shepherds who say, want to belong? Buy our product. Join our club. 
but they're only out to fleece us. Jesus is also the avenue by which we find spiritual nourishment for our souls. Jesus also says, I am the good shepherd. Now, there's, there's clearly an intentional connection here with Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, but he adds the word good, and the fact that Jesus calls himself the good shepherd brings us back to Ezekiel 34 as well. There God convict the shep- convicted the shepherds, the leaders of Israel, of failing to provide for or protect his sheep. And so he promised that he would send a good shepherd, whom he called David, the Messiah, a good shepherd in the future who would do so, who would take care of the sheep. And so Jesus is actually making a claim here that he is that promised shepherd for Israel, that he is the Messiah. Interestingly, the Judeans say, why don't you just tell us plainly? But Jesus has just told them using images. But what does it mean to be a good shepherd? There's a certain risk uh, shepherds always have to deal with in their job. And you can see that just by what they carried in their hands. They would carry crooks, which would be used to pull sheep out of crevices and bushes, but they also carried rods or clubs, in essence, which were intended to fend off wild animals and thieves. And they were expected to do so. But at a certain point, a sane shepherd would know when to give up. No shepherd would willingly trade his life for a mere sheep. But Jesus says he goes above and beyond the call. Verse 15, he lays down his life. Jesus goes out of his way to protect us. But of course, it's much more than that. Because if it seems foolish for a man to die for an animal, there's a much greater gap between God and us than there is between us and sheep. And yet Jesus Christ in the foolishness of the cross willingly and purposely died for us. The world is always trying to sell us on belonging. You belong by wearing a certain kind of clothes or having a certain amount of money or wielding this kind of power or living by this code of ethics. But they never reveal the cost. Jesus does reveal the cost and then pays it himself with his life so that we can belong. Have you ever felt like a shepherdless sheep in your life? To whom are you looking for belonging? Another privilege of membership is relationship, knowing and being known. In Great Britain, the pub is actually an important institution. It is the one place where anybody can go and be accepted at face value, no questions asked. It was the idea behind the popular TV show of a number of years ago, Cheers, and especially its theme song. You want to go where everybody knows your name, where they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see troubles are all the same. You want to go where everybody knows your name. In an impersonal world in which we're known most often by numbers, your PIN number, your social security number, your credit card number, your account number, we want people who know our names. Belonging includes knowing and being known. 
Well, look what Jesus says, chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. In Israel, flocks of sheep were usually fairly small, maybe 20 to 30. Might get up to 100 or so, but usually not much more than that. And shepherds were actually, and you can still see that today when you go to Israel, often young children or teenagers. And they knew, the shepherds knew their sheep by name, by pet name, by characteristics. They were more than simply a a business investment, an animal for shearing. They were almost on the order of pets. In a world in which we find ourselves increasingly anonymous, Jesus, our good shepherd, knows us personally. He knows our habits and sins, our wants and our needs. He knows our names. In Israel, shepherding wasn't always a solo profession, however. Especially at night, local shepherds who were grazing their flocks throughout the wilderness might come together in a single sheepfold with their flocks naturally intermingling overnight. At dawn, one by one, each shepherd would call his own flock, and all his sheep and none of the others would follow him. Because, as Jesus says, the sheep know his voice. A measure of our relationship to Jesus Christ is how well we know his voice, his will, especially over the calls of the world, over the calls of false shepherds. Do we know our shepherd like our shepherd knows us? What are we doing that we do so? Another thing Jesus says is that there is one flock and one shepherd. True confessions, and I know this will come a shock to, to all of you who know me, I'm a bibliophile. I love books. For years, I was a member of several book clubs, Book of the Month Club, History Book Club, Word Biblical Commentary, you name it. But I got really sick of having to tell the club not to send the next book if I didn't want it, and sometimes I'd miss the deadline and have to pay for an unwanted book. I also didn't like that I had to buy a certain amount of books at regular price in order to fulfill my obligation for those cheaper books that I got. So I finally decided to start quitting the clubs. And then I noticed a new phenomenon. These clubs started offering no-commitment memberships. There was nothing you had to buy. You had to almost die to get out of it, but there was nothing you had to buy. And the reason was because they found that people no longer made commitments. Well, Jesus does not follow that marketing strategy. But he has just one commitment, follow, follow. Now, that may seem easy, but there are many sheep in his pen that hear his voice on Sunday, but don't necessarily follow him throughout the week. 
Jesus, in fact, told the Jewish leaders that because of this, they fit this category, not my sheep. Not my sheep. Do we? Note well the dividing line between my sheep and not my sheep has solely to do with the response of following. The dividing line is not by pen. Verse 16, Jesus says he has another pen, probably referring to uh, the Gentiles, sheep in another pen. Jesus doesn't divide by race, by class, by ethnicity, by denomination, by worship style, by traditions. His flock is diverse, which can cause problems among sheep. But our unity is found in our common good shepherd. Are we part of that one flock with one shepherd? And then look at verses 27 through 30 once again. Verses 27 through 30. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The last, perhaps most important privilege of membership in the flock of Jesus Christ is eternal security. Eternal security. No one can snatch them out of my hand. This kind of reminds me, I play the same game with my grandchildren that I used to play with my daughters when they were young. I let them tug at my hand as hard as they can. But the small size of each child, or even several, cannot budge the size of their grandfather. It's an unequal contest. Jesus says, my sheep, those who listen to me, whom I know, who follow me, will have an eternal life that cannot be tugged away, that cannot be snatched away from my hand. It's an unequal contest. My Father is greater than all. And that's the best part of belonging. And yet sometimes we feel like we're losing it. That 40-pound sin feels so heavy. We're sure it's going to pull us away from God. Or that 40-pound doubt or that 40-pound will that sometimes gives way to temptation. Jesus says, don't flatter yourself. It's impossible. God will always win the tug of war, even over that 90-pound weakling Satan. It's an unequal contest. And if we belong to Christ... It's membership's greatest privilege, eternal security. Are we part of his fold today? Membership has its privileges, provision and protection, knowing and being known, eternal security in the Father's hand. And Jesus Christ paid the membership fee. Are we following him? I've noticed that belonging is especially important when it comes to death. Think about an obituary. What makes up the obituary column? Who and what we belong to, right? Who? Our family. What? Our occupation, our church, our service organization, military branch. Some might even fancy those things as references for heaven, like I belong to a Christian family, I belong to a church, I do community service. But in the end, only one thing can be legitimately found on our heavenly resume, and that is my sheep. My sheep. That's it. And that's our only comfort in life and in death, that I am not my own, but belong, body and soul, 
in life and in death to my faithful Savior, my good shepherd, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this eternal security that we have in you. We thank you for the way that you watch over us uh, in, in the paths that we take, in the paths that we will take in this coming week. And we pray that you would help us to keep looking to you for guidance, for security, and to find that in you and not in this world, we find the privileges of true membership, of eternal membership. We pray that we might be able to share that with others, too, where we find our hope in, in a world that seems to have gone amok. We pray that by your Spirit, you continue to remind us during our downtimes of where to find our security and our hope. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.